racist may still be out there, and certainly we have our own issues here domestically with spending and the debt. There's crime, there's poverty, there's homelessness. There's all sorts of other issues, but the number one story right now apparently is, oh my God, Tom Brady has a cold. Exiled by society, friends, lovers, and terrestrial radio. A guy with literally nothing left to lose. For 14 years, he's been telling it like it is. This is the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. Man, I'm looking at the news sites. And the top story on these news sites is this picture of Tom Brady. And he's, you know, he's looking sick, sickly. He looks like he has a little bit of sweat on his brow. And it's not because he's just completed a game. No, it is because he is suffering from the common cold. You know what millions of us go through every winter. But because it's just a few days before Super Bowl 49 here in Phoenix. Yes, uh, it's the big story that Tom Brady does in fact have a cold. And because it coincided with Media Day and, uh, well, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, always the big Media Days. Uh, so, of course, they ask the dumb questions. How many Kleenexes are you using? What is your temperature? Uh, how many ounces of fluids are you drinking? What are you drinking? Uh, is it water? Is it Gatorade? How many bowel movements have you taken? These are the very important questions being asked right now. Now, I, I, I can't understand why ISIS wants to blow us up so badly. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't even know what to do anymore. I mean, this is, this is the news cycle. This is the media. And, you know, I'm a big sports fan. I talk sports on the show. It's not that. It's not that I don't care. Um, I know gamblers everywhere are wondering the health of Tom Brady because they're thinking, well, you know, if, if he's not healthy, then, uh, you know, uh, I've got to I got to really rethink this Patriots minus the one on Sunday. But the fact is that this is the story that's getting the big coverage just on the mainstream media. And um, I I'm perplexed. I'm confused. I shouldn't be because we've long since had our priorities completely confused uh, in this country. Um, I know I'm really the more and more I live the more I've realized how smart my dad really was. You know, my dad, um, he went, he was college educated, although he did not have, I think he had like a degree in art or something. And uh, so you, you'd think, well, he, he was good at drawing and stuff, but what, what kind of intellectual, what kind of philosopher was he? You know, my dad was actually a really smart guy. I didn't think so as a kid. You know, I always just thought, ah, what does my old man know about anything? What, is, what does that guy know? One thing that he always used to say, and he was the biggest football fan ever, and he was the biggest sports fan ever. One thing that the guy used to always say is that we in this country have our priorities so confused. Just look at our news. We talk about celebrities. We talk about athletes. We talk about sports. And believe me, sports are important. I'm not one of these anti-sports people. You know that listening to this show. I rip on the anti-sports people. But the fact is, when you go to a news site and the top news story, not the top sports story, the top story in all of news is that Tom Brady has a cold, something that we all suffer from every winter, sometimes many times a winter, except me, I hardly ever get sick. But for the rest of you schlubs, 
Um, you know, Tom Brady's suffering from a, a mild fever. He's got some sweat. He's not feeling very well. And listen, it sucks. Having a fever, having a having a cold sucks. Some people miss work. Some people have to go in and tough it out. Uh, some guys get paid millions of dollars to go and play a game for a living. And they have to, you know, and it's, it's a brutal sport. Don't get me wrong. The NFL is brutal. You got linemen chasing you down. You got people, two, 300-pound guys slamming into you at high speeds. I get it. But um, the fact is, uh, there's more important things to talk about. My dad always just say just stuff about these priorities and, you know, and uh, I I guess I never really took it that seriously until the last few years. And now I sound just like the guy. Um, I have yet to yell at somebody to get off my lawn. However, um, that's, that's the last threshold I have to cross over. I mean, I already look like the guy. I've uh, put on the weight like the guy. I've lost most of my hair, so I just shave it all off. Um, I kind of sound like him. I've pretty much emulated him in every single possible way without even knowing it. And here I am. I'm saying the same thing. Where the hell are the priorities? Uh, on that happy note, uh, it's the Jim Groff Show. Oh, wait, no, that was my dad. It's, uh, it's the Michael Groff Show, believe it or not. And uh, here we are again. It's, uh, it's Thursday. It's January the 29th. 2015 and um well at gmail.com that's our email address that's also the paypal address for this program groffshow at gmail.com so you can send your generous donations to us you can email us um all sorts of exciting fun stuff like that big show planned of course as always lots of stuff to talk about i um we have to do this i guess this will just be something that we do at the beginning of the show we have the obligatory guess who else is probably going to run in 2016 uh update We've already given you the Mike Huckabee news. We've talked about Mitt Romney and how he's leading in the polls for some strange reason among Republicans. Now, I want to bring another name into the fold. Good old Scott Walker. Yes, Scott Walker, the the Wisconsin governor, the embattled Wisconsin governor, the guy who's uh, been very controversial. He was taken on the unions. He's done a lot of stuff. He's the big Republican from a blue state. Somehow he continues to get elected. I mean, people talk about how much they hate the guy. And yet it's a blue state. It's a Democrat state. And you need Democrat votes and independent votes to carry that state. And yet somehow he continues to get reelected or elected to positions all over. the. I mean, he's just he's a big time uh, player in politics. So, you know, he's won again. He's uh, when was he? He was elected in 2014. He was just elected this last was it 2012 or 2014? I forget. I think it was just this uh, last um, in November. I don't know. I'm a little bit out of it. I'm I'm still kind of consumed with this story about Tom Brady. You know, I, I really I have to know all the details. Do you know this goes on? This story about him having a cold. This is uh, let's see, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Seven. I mean, it's like more than twenty paragraphs. This is more than twenty paragraphs about a guy that has a cold. And it's not just talking about, oh, well, they asked the Seattle Seahawks what they think. They asked Bubba, they asked Bill Belichick what he thinks. They didn't. It's just about him and his practice routine and how he looked on Tuesday and how he looked on Wednesday. And I, I'm, I'm perplexed. Anyway, uh, just to continue, Scott Walker has uh, thrown his name. Well, potentially, he, he has not completely committed, but he was on uh, Fox News the other day with Hannity. And he says here that... Um, he is considering it. He's looked at, you know, what he's done in the state of Wisconsin. He has certainly made some strides there. According to him, he has lowered taxes. He has taken on the unions. He has 
expanded school choice for children. He has done a great deal of work on the state's fiscal situation. And he feels that these are things that he can bring to the table and a whole lot more when it comes to the 2016 election, which for some unknown reason we continue to talk about. Um, So he says he might put himself into the mix. Uh, Well, he's going to make that decision sometime in midsummer. But if he's already forming an exploratory committee, if he's already kind of getting to that stage, you usually don't form these things unless you have a pretty good idea that you're still going to do it. I mean, unless you uh, form one of these exploratory committees, they come back and say, you know what, Scott? Uh, Yeah, you probably just shouldn't bother right now. I mean, it's probably not a good idea. And if one of those exploratory committees was being honest with him, that's exactly what they would say to the guy. But then again, it is the Republican Party. And if Mitt Romney is the most popular guy, I guess Scott Walker would have just as much a chance as being the nominee as anybody else. Rand Paul is another guy that uh, is probably going to be in this thing. I mean, everybody believes he will. So, so far... See if any of these names really move the needle for you. So far, we've heard Mike Huckabee, Mitt Romney, um, Scott Walker, Rand Paul. Not Ron Paul, but Rand Paul. Um, That is Ron Paul's kid. Um, And uh, that's, you know, that's pretty much the... uh, Oh, and Marco Rubio. And potentially, I mean, and this is always like, He always puts his name out there and then never really decides to get in on it. But potentially the Donald as well, Donald Trump. These are all people that either potentially can or will very likely run uh, for the White House in 2016 on the Republican ticket. And all of them, all of them are absolutely terrible candidates and I wouldn't vote for a single one of them. I don't care what they say. Um, some are a little bit better than others. Um, nevertheless, I, I can't imagine anybody would just step into a, a voting booth or get behind, you know, step up to a one of these monitors or have to punch a chat or draw a line or do anything for any of these guys. Who would? Marco Rubio's all right, I guess. He's probably the most likable and tolerable of the candidates on that particular list. Scott Walker is just another guy. He just... He comes across to me as another snake oil salesman. He's um, he's kind of, he's a little bit better than Mitt Romney in the uncool factor. He's he's a little bit better than that, but he's um, uh, you know, well we've we've certainly exposed how stupid he is on this show over the years. Well, I mean, just go back and look at some of our shows from 2010, 2011. We've talked about Scott Walker before. So the, another guy that is um, way out there. And I know uh, Paul Ryan was another guy, another name that people wanted to throw around as well. Paul Ryan, the the sort of budget guru. And that's another guy that's been tossed around on the Republican side. But I mean, some of these guys are a little bit younger. Yeah, so that's good. Uh, you need a little bit younger blood, but it's still the same old politics. So I don't see, I don't see any of this um, going anywhere coming out of, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to vote for any of these guys, that's for sure. The Democrats don't have anything good going either. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Hillary Clinton is, that is not something that gets me excited to go and vote. Um, I don't even know who the Libertarians are putting up. Somebody asked me the other day who uh, the Libertarians are throwing out there. It's probably going to just be, I don't know, Gary Johnson might do it again. I don't think he would. I don't think he's that crazy. 
um, because he knows better. Um, he knows that what he did last time was just to see how much interest he could generate for the Libertarians. And he did a good job. Gary Johnson got more, I think he had the most votes for any Libertarian candidate ever in the U.S. Uh, he certainly drew pretty well. Uh, I mean, in his home state of New Mexico, he did pretty well. I know here in Arizona, he got quite a few votes. But, you know, at the end of the day, what are we talking about? 2% of the vote? 2.5%. He knows that if he ran again, he'd probably get about the same. Probably get 2, 2.5%, maybe. Maybe. And then he'd be the scapegoat for whichever one of the uh, D's or R's did not win. You know, they'd say, well, oh, it's because that Gary Johnson was running. You know, Mitt Romney tried that whole thing. Oh, you know, Gary Johnson took votes away from us. He took votes away from independents, took votes away from, you know, potential Republicans who just had had enough. Yeah, because... I'm sure that had every single person that voted for Gary Johnson voted for Mitt Romney, he would have won. Sure. Don't think so. All right. Uh, so that's the mandatory 2016 election update, which I know that you're very interested in. And hey, honestly, who isn't? All right. And uh, turning to some other news. If you are part of the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgendered community and you think, you know, I think I'm going to go ahead and move to Alabama. I don't know why you'd ever think that. I don't know why you'd think that would be a good place to go and live. But let's just say you're, you're like, man, you know, that Mobile Bay sure does look nice. I really want to set up in Birmingham or Huntsville or something like that. You know, I've been to Huntsville. I uh, was there for a job interview once. It was, it was fine. It was very nice. But then, you know, I'm a straight white guy, so I was treated okay there. Um, you know, uh, if you're planning on going there, I probably wouldn't. Uh, the state still has a ban on gay marriage. However, the good news is that ban has been challenged in the federal courts. A federal judge has said that Alabama's ban on gay marriage is not constitutional. Well, this news did not sit too well with Alabama Chief Supreme Court Justice Roy Moore. Roy Moore says that it's akin to tyranny. Quote, we must act to oppose this tyranny being imposed by judicial fiat. He is calling the federal government a bunch of tyrants because they dared to rule against the state's ban on gay marriage. Of course, Moore, uh, this uh, Chief Justice Moore in the Alabama Supreme Court, he is the guy who famously stood there and, and tried and fought uh, tooth and nail to keep the Ten Commandments posted in the courtroom uh, in Alabama uh, back in 2001. So that's the same guy. So you know he's a little bit off his rocker. Um, you know, apparently he just doesn't get the idea of the separation of church and state and all that. Um, he is urging Governor Roy Bentley to stand behind Alabama's gay marriage ban. And uh, let's see here. What else? Oh, he says, uh, this Justice Moore also says that the federal government does not have the capability to redefine what marriage is. It is not within the Constitution to redefine what marriage is. Uh, the state Supreme Court, he said, has described marriage as a divine institution. Yes, that divine institution, the sacred marriage. I know, it's divine, it's sacred, it is holier than thou, and it also has a 50% divorce rate. Like I, I love people that 
always use that argument about how, oh, the marriage is a sacred institution. It is divine. It's holy. It's it's just, it's, well, it's got a 50% divorce rate. So how sacred can it really be? How sacred can something be when more than half the time it fails? <laughs> I mean, come on. Quote, Today, the destruction of that institution is upon us by federal courts with, with specious pretexts based on equal protection, due process, and full faith and credit clauses of the United States Constitution, he wrote and posted to AL.com. This, this, again, this is Supreme Court Justice Roy Moore who says all this. Yeah, those specious texts about uh, that pointless nonsense in our constitution you know like the full faith and credit clause the equal protection clause and the uh, due process portion because that's that's definitely pointless rhetoric in our constitution well it is pointless if you're a bigot because uh, those are the three things that are among others that the three big things that stand in your way as a bigot from continuing your bigotry your discrimination so you know, um, maybe it's time for you, Mr. Moore, to move into the 21st century. I'm sorry, dude. Yeah, the equal protection, that came in with Abe Lincoln. You know, when, uh, well, I realize you're in Alabama, so you might not have heard, but the South actually lost the Revolutionary War, and uh, the slaves were freed. And because of the equal protection clause, not only are the slaves freed, and not only uh, do black folks have the same rights as white folks and women can actually vote now this is i know this is all big news for you but because of that equal protection clause you can't actually have separate drinking fountains anymore you can't have separate restrooms anymore you can't have separate speed limits or separate uh, anything you can't segregate things you can't make a set of laws that apply to one group that don't equally apply to another group because of that you know, stupid, specious, as he says, specious pretext like the equal protection clause. That pointless thing. That same clause that says that, hey, if men and women are allowed to get married, then men and men or women and women should allowed, should be allowed to be married. That pointless clause. And then due process. Well, due process is pretty important. I mean, it allow, it's what allows stupid bigots such as yourself who go on making hate speech to actually have their fair sh their fair say uh, should they ever, you know, run afoul of the law. And then the full faith and credit clause, which among many other things is, I don't know, it's kind of paramount to everything in this country. It's what allows individual states, like for example, your, your driver's license from Kentucky works in Texas. Documents are uh, can be passed uh, from state to state with exceptions, of course. There's a lot of exceptions to that. But, you know, the full faith and credit clause does stuff like that. It allows a marriage, for example, that is honored in California to be equally valid in a state like Alabama. I know. Crazy stuff, that Constitution. It keeps getting in the way. And, you know, this is the same kind of guy that talks about federal government tyranny and all this nonsense. This is the same kind of guy that will, of course, immediately run to the Constitution when the argument suits him best. But right now, because he's on the business end, he's saying, oh, these specious texts like the full faith and credit clause. I can't believe it. Ye friggin' ha, dude.
He was reacting to the decision on Friday by, uh, this was uh, U.S. District Court Judge, uh, what is this, Cali versus Grenade that threw out Alabama's same-sex marriage ban. They ordered a 14-day stay on the ruling. So this is, uh, it's not over yet. The battle still isn't over in the state of Alabama. So if you are, um, if for whatever reason you're homosexual and living in Alabama, um, there's a very good chance that you'll actually be able to get married in the state very soon. I don't know why you'd still be living there, but listen, I mean, Alabama's a nice place. Don't get me wrong. There's, there's, there really are nice people there. Like I went there and I was expecting, I, I remember I said to a, a friend of mine that was there, I said, wow, there's, there's like not even black people hanging from trees here. Like this, it's, it's not as bad as I thought it was. Not everybody lives in a trailer. Not everybody is a toothless redneck. Alabama is actually not as bad as you might think. However, if you look at their Supreme Court, if you look at their chief justice, you'd think it's still 1824. Boy, I say, boy, come on. Oh, my God. I, I can't believe that there are people that are still this unenlightened in the 21st century. I'm perplexed. I really am. All right. When we continue, we'll uh, get into some other stuff. Mark Zuckerberg is making big news. Facebook is making big news in the wake of the terrorist attacks in France from a couple of weeks ago. Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg, who have been so free speech and have been so much about, I mean, he came on and he just said, oh, man, I'm I am so about free speech and I am so about people being able to express their opinions and share them. And that's what Facebook is really all about. And that's part of the reason why I don't go there. But yeah, you know, it's it's so all about people sharing and expressing their opinions and blah, blah, blah. And uh, by the way, um, don't even think about depicting Muhammad on Facebook. <laughs> oh, hypocrites, hypocrites everywhere. We'll get into that. And there's a lot more still to talk about. I'm sure we'll fix well we're fixing to have some more alabama bashing yeah we're we're fixing to have some more of that coming up to you <laughs> yeah so that's coming up and a lot more still it's the zip code famous michael Graff show you're listening to the zip code famous michael Graff show michaelgroff.com there are times when Thursday, January 29th, 2015. Beijing's mayor says that his city is basically unlivable. We've talked about this quite a bit over the years. 
uh, how bad the pollution in China is getting, particularly in Beijing, and how sometimes that, that pollution is so bad it even kind of drifts up into Japan, and they have pollution advisories because of Chinese pollution. Which uh, certainly, I, I bet that's not helping the relationship between uh, China and Japan very much. But anyway, Mayor Wang and Shun, which is why we're playing Wang Chung, because I'm clever that way. And clearly about 12 years old. He called the city, quote, unlivable because of the noxious smog. And um, he says, quote, to establish a first-tier international livable and harmonious city it is very important to establish a system of standards and beijing is currently doing this yeah it looks like it's really working out it looks like whatever standards they're employing is cleaning up there it looks there are pictures and we've seen these pictures before i think maybe i've posted them to the site before i don't even remember but it is it looks like fog it is just so thick it it looks it looks like london i mean you think the, the pollution in L.A. or Mexico City is bad. You think the pollution in any U.S. city is bad. Uh, you haven't seen anything. Beijing, it is sometimes like you can't even see the skyline sometimes because the pollution is so bad. So bad that um, they have routine warnings against high particulates, high ozone, high carbon monoxide levels. It's... Um, it's crazy. Anyway, Mayor An Shun's speech came days before the market research company uh, Euromonitor International announced its findings on the global tourism market in 2013. The tourism to Beijing had declined by 10% from the year before due to pollution and a countrywide economic slowdown. The company's top 100 city destinations ranking released on Tuesday ranked Hong Kong, Singapore, and Bangkok uh, as its top three spots, followed by London and Paris. Beijing, well, it's still clocked in at 34th. I don't know. I would put that at uh, probably number 573,000 on my list. Really, if if I go to a city and can't breathe, like if I can't see more than about a, a mile because there's so much pollution, probably not a good place to go. If it routinely has advisories because of pollution, probably not a good place to go. Then again, I don't know if I'd go to China in the first place. You'll know that uh, China, in terms of, this is in terms of top 100 tourism destinations ranking. Beijing is sitting right between Johannesburg and Bulgaria, Sofia, Bulgaria. Because if I'm a major world power city, I want to be right next to a Bulgarian city. But when I think of Tourism destinations, I put Beijing and Bulgaria pretty much in the same category. That's actually true, I do. I wouldn't go to either place. Let's see, uh, Wang, a former official in the state-controlled uh, <laughs> petroleum sector and in northwest China's uh, Gansu province, said that the pollution was caused by the distribution of polluting factories and skyrocketing ownership of motor vehicles Obviously, and, and the fact that they have pretty much zero air quality standards whatsoever. We bag on the EPA here in the U.S., and certainly the regulations are insane and stupid and just illogical sometimes. However, you look at air quality in the U.S. over the last 20 years, and it's actually improved in many cities 
I mean, even L.A. has better air quality today than it did 20 years ago. And that's primarily because we actually decided that maybe it wasn't a good idea to just, you know, throw as many factories in as many areas as possible and uh, not plant any trees. And I don't know, I, I guess we probably got a little bit smarter over the years. And then there's Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, the billionaire, the guy that everybody looks at for... I don't know, the, the pillar of strength and stability in this country, Facebook. God. Well, anyway, Zuckerberg, after the terrorist attacks on the Charlie Hebdo newspaper, uh, the French terrorist attacks, which killed 12 people, Zuckerberg was one of the first guys out there to say, hey, you know, we have to protect freedom of speech. It's, it's just totally wrong that anybody should have to feel... Uh, the threat of reprisal simply because they express their opinion or because they they are spreading satire or because they have a thought. I mean, it's just, it's wrong. We have to defend speech at all costs, blah, blah, blah. And that's always well and good and wonderful. And then Facebook has basically come out and uh, said that uh, certain depictions of Mohammed uh, and certain other depictions, we're, we're going to censor that. We're going to take those down. And in fact, Facebook is teaming up with governments, several different governments, you know, the open-minded, free-speech-thinking governments of Turkey, Pakistan, Germany, Saudi Arabia, Russia, and a host of others to censor political and religious speech on its service. I think all Facebook really is, is political and religious speech. Look, I hardly ever go on there anymore, okay? It's been a long time since I've written anything on Facebook, probably three years. Um, I honestly, it's, it's one of those things where I have very little desire to go on there. Um, number one, when I do go on there and I want to talk to like a family member or something like, you know, somebody like the, a, a relative of some kind, I'm usually ignored by them. So that, that's a put off. Um, secondly, I mean, I'm just telling you, that's just how it is. Um, B, they probably have heard my show and they're just like, I don't want to talk to this guy. Oh my God, my cousin or, oh my God, my my uh, nephew, Mike, or oh my God, somebody, you know, my, oh, here's Groff again. Oh God, it's just let's avoid him. Secondly, when you go on there, you see people write the dumbest, just these stupid, lengthy uh, chain things that have circulated around time and again, or it's just their dumb political opinion, or even if it's not dumb political opinion, even if it's something that you do want to read and it's smart and it's good, and people have something to say it you always have like that one facebook friend that degenerates the conversation into something incredibly mind-numbing and stupid and it just turns into and then all of your friends just start arguing with each other and it just i mean the same thing happened on myspace the same thing happens in all this like i like twitter because quite frankly it's 140 characters you know whereas on facebook you can just write for days and um i know the whole thing and then there's just so much facebook drama i don't know it's just never been my bag it was my bag for a little while and then i just said all right enough's enough and um you know i'm like if people can't get along i'm just not gonna hang out here i i just i don't know maybe one day i'll get back into it um but if you start censoring all of the religious and political stuff on facebook 95% of Facebook is gone. The only part that'll be left is people that sit there and play 
Farmville or Cafe World or Candy Crush or whatever the hell, you know, that's going to be the only thing left on Facebook. Let's see what is uh, Zuckerberg says. Let's see here. Well, he's talking about his hashtag Jesua Charlie, which was a so show of support for the murdered uh, members of the French satirical newspaper Charlie Hebdo uh, back on January 7th. He says, quote, this is Mark Zuckerberg. Facebook has always been a place where people across the world share their views and ideas. We follow the laws in each country, but we never let one country or group of people dictate what other people can share across the world. Well, that's not true because obviously you're letting the terrorists dictate. You're letting ISIS and these radical Islamic fundamentalists dictate it because if you're if you're so afraid that uh, one of these guys is going to go nuts and blow up a, I don't know, hack your website or blow you up or whatever, you're clearly letting one group dictate what happens on, on your site, which is madness. It's Facebook, for God's sake. You're worth a billion. It's very hard. I'm pretty sure in your huge mansion, it'd be pretty hard for the terrorists to get there. Maybe if they flew a plane into it, that'd be about the only way. Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, man, I'm I'm so about free speech. I'm so about people expressing their opinions and I'm so about making sure that I support these people, these uh you know these uh, the satirical uh newspaper, you know, that got hit by a terrorist attack and I'm I'm so into making sure that one group isn't represented above another and one group doesn't dictate what happens. Oh, unless of course that group can strap bombs to themselves and blow themselves up. If the group happens to be radical Islamic fundamentalists, then well then I, I'm I'm gonna have to say uh, I have to uh, I have to be careful. <laughs> oh good God, the hypocrisy is real. All right, now shifting gears just a little bit. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the kids bop phenomenon. If you've ever even heard of that, but it's been around for about ten or fifteen years, I suppose. Kids bop is a collection of albums where kids perform popular songs and it's not just karaoke but they whitewash out all of the innuendo all of the bad words any sort of drug references anything that could be even remotely offensive anything pg or worse they turn all of these pop songs into g-rated songs with kids performing them that's kids bop and i don't know who's buying this stuff i don't know what parent says this is a great thing to give to their kids but Somebody must be buying them up left and right because they're up to Kids Bop 27. There's <laughs> been 27 of these albums. And um, the audience, obviously it's kids, but I don't know. Maybe it's lazy parents buying these. Parents that are just not on the ball enough to just um, be a little bit selective as to what their kids listen to. So instead, they buy them these albums with clean versions of pop songs and then those kids probably go to school and they sing those pop songs the clean version in front of other kids and then those kids look at them like they're crazy and they beat them up on the playground and congratulations you're now parent of the year but the reason i'm even bringing this up in the first place is because on kids bop 27 they perform megan trainers all about that bass and in the original version, Megan Trainer says, I'm bringing booty back. That's one of the lines in there. Well, listen to the kids bop version and you tell me what they're saying. I'm all about here. that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass. Hey! 
They just said I'm bringing anal back. Hold on. I, I swear that's what the line is. I'm bringing anal I'm back. I'm all about that bass. About that bass. No <laughs> trouble. If you don't believe me. About that bass. About that bass. Hey. I'm anal back. Go ahead and sell them. I'm bringing about anal that back. Bass. About that bass. Hey. I'm bringing anal back. Go ahead and sell That's definitely bringing anal back. So that is not a doctored recording in any way, shape, or form. That is, we didn't do anything to that. That is on Kids Bop 27. They're doing Megan Trainers all about that bass. And, uh, well, like the Kids Bop version's bringing anal back. I think that's great. Right about now, Paula Poundstone, R. Kelly, Roman Polanski, and the ghost of Michael Jackson are rejoicing at the idea of kids singing about bringing anal back. All right, and uh, sticking to this interesting theme that we have going on. So there was a news station that ran a story about a guy that, I guess, I don't know, he was going to lose the ball pit at an amusement park or at his place or whatever. You know, one of those one of those pits. It's filled with balls, kids play in there. And they did a story about it on the news for some reason or another. And these two anchors having heard the word balls in a story, just could not possibly contain themselves. Apparently, they're about seven. And um, it's mainly because of the way that the the piece, the recorded piece ended, I guess, that just sent them over the, over the edge. And here you get to see what happens when dumb news anchors hear the word balls. Here we go. Let me play this for you. For some initial concerns... It's super safe. They'll let David keep his balls. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. I'm slightly concerned by the story we just put on television. So the anchor, one, the male anchor walks off and uh, Bye, we'll be back. And I guess that's something that went around the internet because a couple of anchors uh, laughing about the word balls and the double hunch. They'll let David keep his balls. Apparently that is hilarious. Now I think, imagine if they did this story about kids bop, how much they'd laugh about that. <laughs> how, st how stupid are we? That That's the news. See, this is why in the news media we talk about Tom Brady being sick because on the news, the anchors and probably the people that write this stuff, they're like, hey, let's, let's put some double entendre about balls in there. Tonight, is Tom Brady sick? Does he have a cold? And does David, in fact, get to keep his balls? <laughs> yeah, that's that's some quality news right there. This was, uh, what was this, Channel 3 in Michigan. I don't know where in Michigan this is. But Michigan, you should be kind of embarrassed by news. Your whole state should be, I don't care. It's probably like Saginaw or Muskegon, some, some godforsaken place in Michigan. It does not look like Detroit. It looks like... Um, it looks like it's some kind of God knows where. Maybe in the Upper Peninsula, Sault Ste. Marie. Sault Ste. Marie's Channel 3, the most reliable news, where we laugh about double entendre. I don't know. Maybe I would have laughed about all that, too, if I was on set. But I don't think so. I, I wasn't sitting here just cracking up over the whole idea. I was more embarrassed for the news media than anything else. Uh, I, I'm believe me, double entendre humor is funny sometimes, but I, I for whatever reason I just wasn't laughing about that. Maybe I've finally become a mature adult. At the age of 37, I have finally run into some maturity. 
Although that's pretty unlikely because I did sit here and just giggle like crazy at the idea of the kids bop kids singing. I'm bringing anal back. But that's more because I'm sitting there also thinking, didn't the producer listen to this? Didn't somebody sit there and go, you know what that kind of sounds like? <laughs> like that, doesn't this sound a little wrong to anybody else? It was weird, though, talking about uh, balls because I heard during the deflate gate stuff and all this talk about Tom Brady and the Patriots and the cheating scandal and all of this, I even passed by Mike and Mike on ESPN radio and not a show that I'm really into. And I don't know. It's just not my cup of tea in terms of radio shows. But I hear them even laughing hysterically at the idea of balls and anything pun related or just, oh, when the referee touches these balls, <laughs> and they're just going on and on. And I'm sitting there going, you know, I'm not even really laughing about this. I'm not cracking up. And these are guys that are like 50-year-old guys or something, and they're laughing about the idea of balls. And, oh, when they touch the, the balls, <laughs> and then they have to say footballs because they don't want to make anyone think that, ah, oh, well, we're just being gratuitous here. Uh -huh. uh, such dopes. Media is full of dopes. And believe me, I'm not saying I'm above it. But I don't know. All right. I, I, I laugh at the dumbest stuff too, but for some reason, I guess maybe I would be able to hold it together if I was on TV. Maybe I'd actually kind of be a professional. I don't know. If you've listened to this show long enough, you know I'm very professional. I always hold it together. Not once do I laugh at anything inappropriate. All right, and speaking of inappropriate things and the news, and I'm not even really sure how I feel about this story, but it definitely shows that we, especially here in America, will turn anything into a profit-making expedition, even a tragedy. And I, I don't want to sound like I'm coming off as excoriating somebody who was the victim of a terrible crime. But do you remember the Aurora, Colorado movie theater shooting from 2012? That guy, I think his name was James Holmes. He went in there, he shot up um, a movie theater, killed a bunch of people, injured a bunch of others, used various guns, including a shotgun. And so there's a woman who was shot, survived, but had a severe, you know, lifelong lasting uh, scars and injuries as a result. And so she had pellets inside her from the shotgun. So she decided she was has been sort of over the years, these pellets have come out. She's been removing them. And so she decided that she's going to take these pellets and sell them online. I don't know who would buy this stuff. I ran across this story. I couldn't believe it. So here, I'm going to play it for you. This is, uh, again, well, here, the story will explain all of it. To see, but the scars on Carly Richards' body mean a lot. Um, and then there's another one below it. They're the daily reminder of a night out on July 20th, 2012. The theater was so packed. It, it was almost impossible to find somewhere to sit. But Carly and hundreds more were there the moment a gunman opened fire inside theater number nine. Carly was struck all across her body. I got hit in like the chest, the back, and like everywhere. Now, two and a half years later, she's still removing some of the pellets, which has led to the idea of turning her pain into a profit. I was actually kind of just 
baffled that that idea even came to me. You know, the idea to sell the pellets, I was just like, okay. <laughs> Harley is now selling her pellets on the website Serial Killers Inc. It's a murder memorabilia shop featuring things like letters from America's most notorious killers. Like the people who collect these sort of sorts of things, um, they shell out just so much money for it. Which is why Carly's pellet is selling for some $1,650. Mm, it God. comes with a signed photo and all of the money will go to help the 24-year-old. But we asked her, is she glorifying crimes like the shooting itself? I think people have this like really extreme like kind of black and white thinking about things, you know what I mean? Serial Killers Inc. says this is the first time they've sold anything like this to to help a victim. Carly tells us she's just grateful for their help. You know, I was having trouble holding down a job. You know, we got it. We got flooded out of her home at one point, And I just, I mean, it's just been one thing after the other. The fragment, it's still for sale. And Carly hopes the money will go to pay for the basics. The basics she says she just can't afford anymore. You see, this is one of those stories I'm not really sure what to think about. I feel terrible for this woman. Obviously, she's been through a lot. She took shotgun shells. She took uh, a bunch of shot all across her body. She's scarred. She's forever changed by this, mentally, physically, etc. She's had a run of really bad luck ever since. Um, it clearly can't be very easy to hold down a normal life. And yet at the same time, I'm sitting here going, is it really right for someone to turn around and sell something like this online? And moreover, I mean, I guess that part's fine. You know, I I'm the ultimate entrepreneur or business-oriented kind of person in that regard, but who buys that? Who sits there and goes, oh man, I've got to buy a pellet that hit one of the victims in the worst you know, mass shooting in the country's history or one of the worst mass shootings in the country's history ever. And uh, I've got to collect a part of that. And then what do you do with it? You get that. So you get, all right, you decide you're going to go online. You're going to pay 1600 bucks for a pellet that came out of a woman's arm. Um, what do you do with that? Do you like display it? Do you have your your buddies come over and you go, yeah, that was that was actually in a person's arm, man. That actually hit somebody and it could have killed them. That actually came from James Holmes' gun, man. That that movie theater, that crazy Aurora, Colorado movie theater shooter. Yeah, that came that came from one of his victims that survived, man. Like, what do you? What kind of sicko collects that kind of stuff? It's one thing if you collect, like, letters that Charles Manson wrote. All right, that's one thing. Or you have a, a manifesto written by some mass shooter or something like that. Even that's kind of weird. But getting, like, uh, one of the instruments, one of the implements or a fragment of an implement used in the killing and maiming of other people, that just seems really grisly and wrong to me for some reason. And I'm a person that doesn't really find anything grisly or wrong, and yet... That just, just seems weird. Just makes you wonder if there's a limit to profiteering or to the lengths that people will go to to make a buck. I don't know. Um, I would love to make a buck, though. So, um, you know, maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll sell some of my own scar tissue or something. I got to come up with something. There's got to be some way I can make uh, a profit off of bad things that have happened to me. Boy, I could make a lot of money if I did that. Just a whole lot. All right. Um, I guess we'll take a break. And, uh, you know, if this were a profit-driven kind of program, there'd be a lot of commercials in here. But this is where commercials normally would go uh, when and if we sell them. So that's that's how this works. 
All right. We'll uh, we'll continue with this, whatever. And, uh, oh, I, I got to take a look. We haven't looked at the pop chart in a while. We haven't looked at the state of music in general in a while. Uh, spoiler alert, it's still pretty bad. We're back after this. The last bastion for common sense. The zip code famous Michael Groff Show. MichaelGroff.com Take me now, baby, here as I am Pull me close, try and understand Desire is hunger, is the fire I breathe Love is a banquet on which we feed gmail.com is our email address that's groffshow at gmail.com also that's the paypal address for this program so that uh, you can make your most generous contributions to us and keep this wonderful program going and who wouldn't want to do that Something that is rapidly becoming a new feature of this show. And it's it's like not really something official that I ever plan out. It's just that it seems every single episode there is somebody that is finding a new way to get into the news for DUI. You know, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of people are pulled over for DUI. And um, I don't even know what the statistic is. Maybe several hundred a day, I would guess. Uh, lots of lushes out there. But it takes a very special person to somehow weave that into a news story. And here's here's a great one. I always love these. A Beaver County woman, this is from Pennsylvania, is facing DUI charges. And as an added bonus, she was driving without pants. According to Beaver County Times, <laughs> the incident happened at the 1300 block of Main Street back on September 30th. Police were initially called to the scene uh, of an accident. When they uh, arrived, they, uh, well, they found a very bizarre situation at hand. Justine King, 33, was still in her car when officers arrived. The airbags had deployed, but she was naked from the waist down. Her pants were found under the pedals. Additionally, King was sitting on an empty bottle of alcohol. And you can only imagine if you're naked and sitting on a bottle of alcohol where that bottle is. Spoiler alert, up the butt. Um, <laughs> officers dragged King out of the car after she refused to put on her pants 
and exit the vehicle willingly. I'm putting my pants on. Really? Then, while sitting in the police cruiser, uh, she kicked out the window frame. She was taken to the Heritage Valley Beaver Hospital. You know, why is it that all these naked stories and about women with their pants off happen in Beaver County? I don't really understand, but anyway, she, um, she refused a drug test. She refused a uh, alcohol test. She refused all testing. Uh, she's due in court in February. She is facing a list of charges, including DUI, open uh, lewdness, and resisting arrest. And probably some kind of sodomy law. I'm sure that Pennsylvania may, in fact, have uh, because of what she did with that open container. All right. And, uh, you know, from that note, I guess it's only fair that we go into uh, this because, you know, from one bad story to another... Why not? It's been a long, long time since we've done this, but you can kind of imagine how this is going to go, right? It is that time. Time to take a look at the top 10 songs in the world of CHR Pop, contemporary hit radio, as it's known to the Buzzables. Um, these are the 10 most played songs on Top stations everywhere, top 40 radio stations everywhere across our great country. And um, I think the last time we did this on the uh, on the show was maybe a year ago or so. And uh, so you're probably wondering, oh, I'm sure music has gotten better ever since, right? I mean, it's got to have. All right. Well, we'll find out. Number 10 is Lilywood and Robin Schultz. This is something called Prayer in C. Well, there's no vocals yet. It's not that bad. It's bad. Never mind. Did this song start over? I'm confused. Didn't they just do this part? Alright, I mean, I've heard worse. This is just generic garbage. Alright, that's cool. Alright, number nine is Selena Gomez, The Heart Wants What It Wants. You got me sipping on something I can't compare to nothing 
I've ever known. I'm hoping that after this fever, I'll survive. There's so much processing on her voice. She sounds like a Cylon. A it's like cybernetic music. Huh? I'm gonna make it out alive. And trust me, as a guy that puts a lot of processing on his voice for this show. These are, again, the 10 most popular, most played songs on radio stations across the country on top 40 radio stations. All right. Uh, next, at number eight, Ariana and The Weeknd. Actually, Week ND. Weekend. Anyway, this is uh, Love Me Harder. Tell me something I need to know. This sounds like the last song. It sounds like last two songs never let it go if you just let me invade your spurs i'll take the pleasure take it with the pain and if in the moment i bite my lip baby in that moment you know this is something bigger than a sin We haven't really heard any hip hop yet. I'm kind of okay with just the regular mainstream garbage as long as we can sort of keep stay away from the hip hop part. Yeah, yeah. I haven't really been paying attention to the lyrics in this song aside from the love me harder part. Are they are they any good? Somebody should let me know. Send me a message cuz God knows I'm not gonna go back and listen. Tend to leave behind if you know about me and choose to stay. Remember when music used to have guitars in it and there used to be like I mean, yeah, it was still about the same subject matter. It was about sex and drugs and stuff. I mean, but I don't know, music used to be a little bit more masculine, and uh I'm really I'm missing those days. Like we we came back into this segment with White Snake and I'm thinking like, you know, that was 30 years ago and we just don't have any bands like that anymore. I'm not even saying Whitesnake is that great. I'm just saying Whitesnake today would be like, um, I mean, it'd be like a completely foreign concept to the, to the pop scene. What, you mean they got guitars? We, you don't just use synthesizers for that? There's no auto-tune? What do we do if there's no auto-tune? All right, and then at number seven. Now, we talked about her uh, earlier. And apparently, she has a follow-up hit. It's Megan Trainer. Lips are moving. 
sounds like all about that bass, just faster. Boy, look at me in my face. Tell me that you're not just about this bass. You really think I could be replaced? Nah, I've come about from this bass. And I'm a classy girl. I'ma hold it up. Is that all she's into? Like, what we got straight overdue. Go find somebody new. You can buy me diamond earrings and Basically, all about that bass, slightly faster with different lyrics. And she still mentions bass. All about that bass, about that bass, no treble. All about that bass, about that bass, no treble. <laughs> They're not even creative enough to have diversity within their own albums now. I mean, I give her, I'll give her some points for at least trying to bring doo-wop back and bring that, you know, sound of 1958 back to the mainstream. But it's not cool. It's not edgy. It's not, I'm sure hipsters like it. So that's uh, Megan Trainer. I'm wondering what the kids bop version will say. All right. And that brings us to number six, Nick Jonas. This is... Called Jealous. Yeah. I don't like the way he's looking at you. I'm starting to think you want him to. Am I crazy? Somebody did Adobe or somebody released like Pop Music Wizard 4.0 or something where you just like, it's just, yeah, it's like a, a wizard, like just a window pops up and you go, okay, ready to start wizard. And you go on to the next screen. It's like, okay, what's the topic? Sex, drugs, you know, it's like women, jealousy, like there's all sorts of subcategories. And then you just go, okay, now select a generic beat, 4-4, four, four, 120 beats per minute. Um, what does it sound like? Uh, you know, what key is it in? And then you just, and then it just prints out like a bunch of, you know, the same old lyrics. It puts out the same old kind of song. If that does not exist, which I'm sure it does, I'm making it because it's probably too much work. I hear they spent seven minutes producing this. All right, number five. Uh, number five is Sam Smith. 
This is I'm Not the Only One. Yeah, it's very loungy. I really haven't heard these songs, so I don't know. This is different, but it's not my thing. This kind of music has never been my my forte, really. But I would not. is thinking out loud when your legs don't work like they used to before and I can't sweep you off of your feet will your mouth still remember the taste of my love it's a very mellow pop chart now will your eyes still smile from your cheeks darling I will be loving you Oh, 70. I thought she, I thought he said 17, which is pretty typical for pop. Could still fall less hard at 23. And I'm thinking about how people fall in love in mysterious ways. Maybe just the touch of a Like simply red, like a modern version. So honey, Take me into your loving arms. All right. You know, it's again. It's not that uh, I wouldn't violently fling my radio at the nearest wall or whatever. I, I just, it's just not my thing. Um, here's something that probably would cause a bit more of a violent reaction out of me. Number three, it's Taylor Swift. This is Blank Space. Asked you, meet you, where you been? I could show you incredible things. Magic, madness, heaven, sin. Saw you there and I thought, oh my God, look at that face. You look like my next mistake. Love's a game, wanna play. often ask me why I don't like Taylor Swift. This is a, a topic that has come up repeatedly. 
because apparently I have expressed a little bit more disdain for Taylor Swift than your other typical pop artist. I think the only person I regularly rip on more is Chris Brown if he ever comes into the fold um, because he beats women and I just think he's a horrible human being. Taylor Swift, I think, represents kind of what's really wrong with the culture, with pop music, with a whole bunch of things because, number one, here's a person that... Um, is here telling us about how, you know, in different songs, she doesn't care about what people think. Then she proceeds to tell us how much she doesn't care. And whenever you tell someone that you don't care, you really do care. Then she's always talking about different boyfriends. And then she goes in the media and says, oh, I'm not, I don't date a lot of boys. I don't date a lot of guys. I'm not with a lot of guys. But she's always talking about another heartbreak and another dude. And she's always being seen with another guy. And here's someone that, you know, is, whether she likes it or not, some sort of icon in the music biz and some sort of role model. And all she is here doing is sitting about, oh, I'm falling in love with someone new or I'm, I just broke up with somebody or, oh, my God, I'm obsessed with somebody or, oh, you guys are obsessed with me, but I don't care. And I'm telling you how much I don't care. And it's just, it's just everything about this, about Taylor Swift is just one of those things that just rubs me the wrong way. Then her daydream. So it's gonna be forever. Oh, it's gonna go down in flames. You can tell me what it's just all these songs sound the same. It's just I don't know. It's she just kinda, and like I know people are gonna say, oh well, what about Madonna? My Madonna was a, a bona fide slut. She had but you know, here's the difference. Madonna never tried to pretend to be someone she's not. She never tried to... She never went in the media and goes, Oh, I was never with all these guys. I would never do... I wouldn't do all that. Madonna sort of embraced what she was. She was a, you know, an icon for music, but also, you know, this... She was definitely considered very mistress-like and very, very sexual. She even had that sex book out where, you know, she talked very graphically about sex and about her sex life and about staring at her vagina and just all this other stuff at least she embraced it if taylor swift came out and said yeah you know what i've been with a whole bunch of dudes i've got a lot of money i've got an emaciated body and i you know what and guys are into that and they want to bang me as much as possible if she if she just embraced that and didn't try to hide behind some flowery image I think I'd have less of a problem with her. And if she stopped making music. Or at least stopped making garbage music. those That's all she has to do. Stop making bad music. Embrace what you are. Like, I don't... I don't really care for a lot of these, um, these rap dudes. Um, these hip-hop guys. But most of them, at least, they're not phony about what... I mean, some of them are. Like, again, Chris Brown is totally a phony about... Because he's not a tough guy. Dudes that beat up women are not tough guys. All right? Guys that abuse women aren't tough. That's not hip-hop. That's not street. That's just you being a jackass. But at least, you know, a lot of these guys, they... I don't know. I, some of them are phony, too. Because some of them are like, Yeah, you don't know how hard it is, man. You don't know how hard it is on the street. You don't know how how tough this life is. Um, yeah, Eminem. Okay, dude. Um, you have millions and millions of dollars. I'm sure life is very difficult. 
So for those of you that wonder, that's my issue with Taylor Swift. That's my issue with um, some of these uh, pop people. I feel better now that I now that I got that out there. All right, uh, number two. Now, believe it or not, we're still doing this ridiculous pop chart. Number two is what's this? Hosier? Hosier? I don't know. Hoosier? Take me to church. chart a joke this week? Amen. Amen. Take me to church. Like dog at the of I'll tell you I mean, I believe me, I'm glad that there's no Kesha. I'm glad that there's no Pitbull. There's no who else are the bigger? There's there's no um I don't know, none of the usual crap is on there. I, I'm very I'm very happy except for Taylor Swift. I'm very glad that we're devoid of that. Okay, so trust me, I'm not I'm counting my blessings. But man music's gotten really lame all this. I mean, even more lame. It's a different kind of lame though. It's a different flavor. It's a brings us up to the number one song of the week it is Mark Ronson featuring Bruno Mars this is Uptown Funk really did we go in a time machine and I just wasn't aware of it a Michelle Pfeiffer reference. I guess we did. We went back about 30 years. Don't believe me, just watch. Don't believe me, just watch. Hey, hey, 
All right, so we have a bunch of songs that sound like they're straight out of the 70s. Fill my cup, put some nigga in it. Take a sip, sign the check. Julio, get the stretch. Right to Harlem, Hollywood. I mean, literally, this pop chart has a sound from 1958, a couple from the 70s, the terrible sound of Taylor Swift still trying to, I don't know, whatever sound that is, and then um, a couple of generic pop songs. At least, at least, we're we, there's no rap, there's no, like, hip-hop in here, really. I mean, this is... This is more like 70s funk than anything else. I don't know. I guess thinking back on this pop chart, it's really, it's not the worst. I mean, it's kind of lame, but it's, it's um, compared to uh, the last time we did this segment. I'm actually not so, I'm not so angry about it. Just Taylor Swift is really all that bothers me. That's it. I don't know. I, I'm all right with it. I guess it's one of those things where as long as as long as I don't hear Kesha, I'm probably going to be all right with it. No Kesha, no problems. No Justin Timberlake. No Nicki Minaj. There, well, yeah, no Nicki Minaj in the chart. Hold on, let me see if Nicki Minaj is even anywhere close to getting on a chart here. Let's see. I don't even see Nicki Minaj in the top 40 right now. So we're, we're good. I see. Let's see. I see like uh, Fallout Boy is at 12. Oh, there is Pitbull at number 11. So it's not like we're very far off from that kind of garbage. Maroon 5 has like. 53 hits around. They're like just a music-making factory. They figure if we throw enough crap at the wall, something's got to stick. Maroon 5, my my buddy's wife, was the first person that I knew of that listened to Maroon 5 back in, I don't know, 1999 or 2000 or something like that. And um, I I think I even played a, a demo CD of theirs or something on the air. And then I I kind of was okay with them for a while. And now that's just Adam Levine, I think, will just put out anything now. Like, literally, he just goes, I've got a great idea for a song. I'll just wail incessantly for four minutes. I did like Maroon 5, though. I did. I was okay with them. And now I... No, not harder to breathe, though. That was not very good. All right, anyway, Mike, uh, let's see. It's the zip code famous Michael Grav Show. Gravshow at gmail.com. That is gravshow at gmail.com. That's our email and PayPal address for your most generous contributions. Thank you so much for listening. Really do appreciate it. And we'll see you next time without Taylor Swift. It's the zip code famous Michael Grav Show. Good night, everybody.